USA Wealth Group Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Pete Lance are your hosts for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to Money Wise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. My name is Ray Lance. I'm going to be your host this morning, and I'm very pleased to introduce somebody who I think is very special and very important in our lives here on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth, but also somebody that a lot of people should get to know uh, even better, and that's attorney Mike Coleman. Mike is our special guest this morning, so good morning, Michael. Good morning. Did you like the flowery introduction? Yeah, very nice, thank you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so Michael is a hardworking attorney. He's uh, very smart. He doesn't want to be embarrassed, but at least you can't see his face when I'm talking about him, so I can talk about him a little bit. Well, today we're going to be talking about estate planning. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that 67% of the population has no estate plan? That's a huge number. That's according to CNBC, and another source indicates that only 32% of the population even has done a simple will or a trust. So there's a lot of people out there who are procrastinating, and the bad news is that it's going to cost your family extra money if you have any assets after you pass away. And I know some people get superstitious sometimes, and they think, well, if I get my will done or my trust done or my estate plan done, it means I'm getting ready to die. No, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means really is that you're looking to make sure that your family is protected and that you can pass along your assets in the most efficient manner and the least expensive manner. So it's time to get off your chair. I'll use chair this morning. Mm -hmm. Get off your chair and take some action. Uh, Give attorney Michael Coleman or uh, attorney Tenny Lance at Lance Law Inc. a call at 508-998-8800. And if not now, when do you plan to do it? That's one of the great mottos. So we're going to start by talking about not just statistics, but we are going to be talking about some common reasons to do estate planning. And people sometimes will say, I suppose, Mike, well, I don't really have an estate, mm-hmm. but you do have an estate because an estate consists of basically everything that you own. Right. And it can be retirement accounts, it can be your house, it can be your bank accounts, it can be your investments, your automobile, mm-hmm. life insurance. A lot of people think, well, Life insurance is not part of my estate, but it is. Isn't it, it is, yeah. So the proceeds from life insurance policies are considered part of the estate of the owner of the policy. And that's really important when we're getting into estate tax issues. But the one thing you always want to have in on your life insurance policies is uh, designated beneficiaries. So you want to make sure you have primary and contingent beneficiaries. A and lot the- of times I'll meet with clients and they'll have bought a insurance policy 20 years ago and at the time they named their spouse as a beneficiary but never named anyone next and then they had kids and they never updated the policies so that's one thing you want to make sure of is that you have contingent beneficiaries named okay so what happens if you don't have contingent beneficiaries then and the person that you named as the primary beneficiary dies well then the check from the insurance company gets written to the estate and that means that you have to go through a probate with the for the estate just in order to open a bank account for the estate to deposit the check. And that's a whole process that you can avoid just by naming someone as a secondary beneficiary. So listen to that for just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just repeat a little piece of it. If you don't have a proper named beneficiary in your insurance policy, or I suppose also your retirement accounts, your IRAs and so forth, then when you die, the money's going to get payable to your estate, and nobody can cash that check unless mm-hmm. they go through the probate process with probate court. That's right, yeah. 
the insurance companies don't really care. They'll just write the check to the estate, and then it's the problem of the person who's administering the estate to really figure it out. Well, you don't have to be a millionaire to benefit from estate planning. Everybody who has a house or has children or minor children or grandchildren or children in their own marriages or whether you've been divorced or own a business or maybe you're going to receive an inheritance by yourself, you need to take some action to protect those things. Mm -hmm. So here's some simple reasons why we all need to do estate planning. Uh, First of all, you can uh, designate who you want to manage your affairs. If you don't uh, do proper legal documents and name somebody, um, then a court's going to decide who Mm -hmm. will handle your affairs. Right. I mean, that's that's something that can be avoided just by signing a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy. I actually recently went to visit someone in a nursing home, and the reason was that her son was trying to help her pay bills and mm-hmm. manage bank accounts, and she was in the nursing home, so she couldn't do that herself. And he wasn't able to do it because she hadn't signed a power of attorney. So okay. the bank said, you need a power of attorney. So we prepared one for her, went to go to the nursing home, and had her sign it there. So so yeah. she was still mentally competent. Yeah, she was able it. to do it, luckily. Good. She wasn't disabled yet. So that's one reason to do that. So basically what you're saying is it's not just when you pass away. Uh, you need to do planning in the event that you become disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't do it, then a court's going to decide. So let's talk about that court process for a minute. Let's say you're disabled and you haven't signed documents, and now you can't sign documents. That's called what, like a conservatorship? A, or Yep, or a guardianship. Or a guardianship. That's a probate court process uh, where anyone can petition the court or certain individuals can petition the court to be appointed as guardian or conservator. And then it's up to the court to decide who can fill that role. And like I said, it is a process. It can take time. Uh, and I, I suppose it's possible, too, that uh, family members might not agree on who should be the person named by the court. Right. It could right. be an argument and a dispute about it. Right, exactly. So you get to choose, but you need to plan. Mm-hmm. What about Medicaid? What if somebody has to go to a nursing home, and nursing homes today are really expensive, Estimates are 115000 all the way up to $150,000 or more mm-hmm. for one year in a nursing home. So if you have somebody who needs long-term care uh, stay in a nursing home, basically it's the middle class that's really going to suffer the most because they're going to lose many of their assets. But if you do planning, you can protect some of these assets. There are really two phases to Medicaid planning. Um, Right now, there's a five-year look-back period for Medicaid purposes. That's if if you do what? If you transfer assets, for example? So if you have, you know, if you do planning in advance, you need five years to go by before anything that you do is really um, effective. Or protected, I guess. So that's one thing. If if there's an immediate need for a nursing home, if someone, it looks like they're going to go into a nursing home in the near future, that's a different kind of Medicaid planning. It can still be useful, but if you're really planning on doing protecting assets or trying to protect assets, you need five years to go by. So here's a scary statistic that I'm looking at. It's estimated that two-thirds of those who reach the age of 65 are going to spend some time in a nursing home for some period of time. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't done planning, you are putting many of your own assets at risk. Right. I've been to two nursing homes in the past couple of weeks. Wow. Um, and neither of them <laughs> are a place that I'd want to spend a lot of time at. Yeah. You know, I've always felt the same way, yeah. but I'd like to go for a, a long walk in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Maybe with a <laughs> bottle of wine or something. And the people that I met there didn't want to be there either. You no. Know, it's... So that's a good question to ask our listening audience. How many of you listening today would like to be in a nursing home someday? Yeah. Sounds like a stupid question, doesn't right. it? And one of the people that I, I meant to go see, actually they were both signing documents in the nursing home, and um, neither of them had powers of attorney. So those were two things that they should have done prior to being in there, but just hadn't for one reason or another. So, So I guess the message really is if you think it can't happen to you, you better look around and think again. I know I've seen people 
as early as their 50s who've had a stroke and can no longer work the rest of their life. Right, right. Or be in a nursing home. I know that attorney Tenny Lance, for example, is uh, administrator for uh, several individuals who are in long-term care facilities or assisted care facilities and watching their money go down because they didn't do advanced planning. So planning is critical, not only to make sure you can designate who's going to take care of you, but to stay out of a nursing home possibly, uh, and very importantly, to protect your assets. Mm -hmm. Most people don't like the thought of giving away all their money to a nursing home. But avoiding probate uh, during your lifetime, which is guardianship or conservatorship, and then avoiding probate when you pass away, um, do you want the control of these uh, assets and do you want these decisions made by a court? Most people would say no. Probate is also a public process, isn't mm-hmm. it? Everything that gets filed in the probate court can be seen by anyone who goes into the court. So if you file a will with the court, anyone can go in and see who gets all your assets and who the executor is. Any other documents that are filed in the court, people can see. And, you know, a lot of times or sometimes people will go in there and get information from probate court documents and then use it to solicit business and you know, it's a shady <laughs> kind of thing that goes on there. Yeah, well, we have a lot more to say about nursing home protection and, and estate planning, but we also have a very interesting guide. It's called a life guide, handling a loved one's estate. Some things to think about when somebody dies and, you know, getting copies of death certificates, uh, going through probate court if you needed to, uh, notify your financial advisor, your life insurance agent, your estate attorney, Uh, somebody like Michael or Tenney, your accountant or CPA, your property insurance agent, whoever administers your pension, your banks, your mortgage company. If you have a car loan, you need to talk about that. Or student loans, uh, credit card companies. There's just many, many people that need to be notified. We've got a great checklist. If you want a copy of this, you call to our office at USA Wealth Group at uh, 508 998 8858 would be happy to send you a copy of Handling a Loved One's Estate. And if you have that problem, by the way, if you have somebody in your family who's passed away, don't think you can do all this yourself. Give a call to attorney Michael Coleman at uh, 508-998-8800. Make an appointment. This is a lot of what you do. We're going to talk about this in more detail, reasons to do proper planning right after a short break, so please stay tuned, and we will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, hosted by Ray Lance and Pete Lance. If you have questions about retirement, call today, 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan, 508 998-8858. And now, back to Money Wise with the Money Guys. Welcome back to Money Wise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Ray Lance and attorney Mike Coleman this morning talking to you about estate planning and why it's so critically important. And surprisingly, so many people put it off and just don't get around to doing it. It's estimated that somewhere around one-third of our population has done some kind of an estate plan. Mm -hmm. That means two-thirds of you listening today have done nothing. So if you haven't done it yet, what are you waiting for? Um, Do you have children? Do you have children from a prior marriage? Uh, If you want to protect your children, not only your assets, but if you want to protect your kids or your grandkids, if you want assets to pass quickly to your family, You need to think about what's the best way to do that. But you know, Mike, some of the other ways to protect assets and heirs is you want to protect families from lawsuits or divorces or other claims. You want to make sure that you don't have the IRS after you because you might owe some taxes. There's just so many reasons to do planning. Right. I meet with people sometimes that have, you know, children from different marriages. Mm -hmm. So there might be... You know, spouses have kids from a first marriage or a second marriage, and that might be a time to think about doing a trust where you can put assets in trust for kids of maybe a first marriage if you don't necessarily want everything 
passing over to the second spouse and then having that spouse give it all to their own children, you know, that might be a time to think about creating a trust for your own kids Okay. Um, to help protect them. And I guess you could also do that in a way that would protect the second spouse if it was a second marriage. You could right. make some provision for the, the second spouse, mm-hmm. but make sure that children from a first marriage were also uh, protected right, and exactly. beneficiaries. Yep. I've done this before where maybe just for example, if a husband were to pass away first, he wanted the wife to have the right to live in their house or his house mm-hmm. um, for as long as she was alive. So he was providing her with a place to live. Um, and then when she passed away, he wanted the house to go to his children. Okay. So he was taking care of her while she was alive and then ultimately giving the house to his kids. But maybe not so. necessarily to her kids. Right, exactly. So Interesting. Well, planning is uh, critically important for so many reasons. Um, what if you want to help educate uh, grandchildren or children? What if you have children or grandchildren who are not responsible or not experienced or not capable of managing money. I'm sure a lot of people listening today have family members that they think are just not mature or responsible. Right. So do you sometimes make arrangements, uh, Mike, for giving money to a child or a grandchild in yeah. installments or over time? I feel like I see that more and more now where people trust their kids less. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they want to have assets held in trust. So if they have money or a house or proceeds from the sale of a house, that money can be held in trust until a child reaches a certain age or given to them over a period of time so that they don't receive it all at once. If there's a could be a drug issue going on, you know, substance abuse, or maybe they're just not good with money. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot more substance abuse lately. Yeah. yeah. I don't use marijuana, and it still amazes me that marijuana is legal, and sometimes I'm driving down the highway wondering how many people are on drugs driving down the highway. Right. I'm a, sure that's been that way for a while, though. Yeah, said. I guess it probably has been. Well, um, do you have a, a particular age that you sometimes think that should be sort of like a minimal age before people receive their inheritance, younger people, for example? I mean, we usually have 25 as the age in our documents but that can change you know some people are more mature at a younger age some people Mm. don't get mature until they're in their 40s yes (laughs) so So personally i've always felt that you're not mature at all until you're at least 25 years of age yeah i think so and i'm saying this on purpose as a joke in front of (laughs) our marketing director who's sitting here because he's just 22 years old so that that's really just a joke for you (laughs) i don't think he would fall into that category though. no he's uh (laughs) He's advanced for his age. Yeah. No question about it. (laughs) So a lady named Ann Mulcahy once said, one of the things we often miss in succession planning is that it should be gradual and thoughtful with lots of sharing of information and knowledge and perspective so that it's almost a non-event when it happens, when it comes time to pass assets along to somebody else because you've done planning. And Jackson Brown once said, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. So planning, planning, planning. So you know, I'm thinking about a couple of simple things. If somebody goes grocery shopping, I wonder how many people just walk in the grocery store and walk up and down one aisle and down the other and just say, oh, I think I might need this. I think mm-hmm. I'll get that today. Oh, that looks good. <laughs> Probably most people don't do that. No, I don't think so. Probably you have some kind of a shopping list when you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. especially today when things are so expensive. Yeah. So if you do that for grocery shopping, or if you're buying a car, you don't just walk into the first car dealer that you see and say, I'd like to buy a car today, what would you recommend? You think about it, you research it, and you make some plans. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do planning for your most important assets, your house, your investments, and so forth? Because if you don't, we like to say, if you don't plan yourself, the government has a plan for you. Right, and I think a lot of people, that statistic that we talked about earlier, the 67% who don't have, I think the 32% probably includes a lot of people that have wills and they think that they have an estate plan, but wills really are not a great estate planning tool. Even if you have a will naming an executor and beneficiaries, if you have assets in your name alone, the will doesn't change that. And that's when probate happens. Um, So 
we Aha, would usually advise you mm. know, doing something more than a will. So what you're saying the will does really is it's a, a vehicle or a way to change the title to something that's in your name in order to get it into the name of the people that you want it to go to. The will helps with that. Okay. So the, the will is good in that it names someone to be in charge of your estate, which is good because otherwise multiple people might have the right to petition the court. It also names beneficiaries, so it is a, a good thing to have. But if you own real estate or if you have bank accounts, you may want to think about doing something more than that because mm-hmm. the will won't avoid probate. Right. And um, probate takes how long in Massachusetts? Well, with a formal probate... You're looking at six months to a year at least. Okay. So that's a long time to go yeah. through the process and maybe not be able to have access to certain assets right. as well. Everything's frozen until you get through the probate process. I met with someone this week or last week, and there are assets in the person's name alone who passed away. And so the person I met with is now having to pay bills out of their own pocket and manage properties with their own money and that could have been done differently. Yeah, so people don't think about that often, right. do they? That right. if you have a mortgage to pay or utilities or taxes on a house, mm-hmm. and the house mm-hmm. is in the name of one person who's died, and it's going through a probate, who's going to pay those bills? Right, exactly. If you don't have access to funds. Right. Well, lots of lots of different reasons. So I wonder, uh, Mike, how many people listening today, we're, we're talking with attorney Mike Coleman this morning, I wonder how many people listening today have uh, multiple children? And let's say you've got three kids, three children. Are they all doing well? Does one of them have difficulties? Does one of them make more money than another? Does one have issues or personal issues or a bad marriage? Kids are all different, mm-hmm. except for you. You were an only child, Mike. Right. So you don't have any problems. <laughs> right. I have other kinds of problems. <laughs> well, everybody has problems. You know, one of my favorite things to say, and I'll say it again today, there is no such thing as a normal family. No, it's true. Every family has differences, issues, problems, and so forth. And one of the things that you do in the law firm is help people sort this out, make sure that if you've got one child who's not mature, maybe you're going to hold assets and trust for them for a longer period of time. But sometimes you just need to um, set a plan to help grandchildren or children. Uh, What about education? Uh, Education is a really critical issue today. Mike, I know you belong to, and the law firm belongs to, something called the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization? Well, that's a national organization. Um, Attorneys all over the country belong to that, the American Academy. It's a great organization that provides us with education and um, access to other members all throughout the country. So we're happy to be a part of that. And uh, that also means that if you have somebody who has assets in the state in addition to Massachusetts, maybe Mm -hmm. they've got a house in Florida or some other wetland area, um, (laughs) then you've got other attorneys like a network of lawyers across the country you can help yeah, we see Florida quite a bit, um, but we've also done, you know, work in Connecticut. Some of our clients have properties up in New Hampshire, Vermont, so we, you know, can reach out to attorneys up there to help us with deeds or whatever might be needed to get assets into trust. So just to elaborate on that particular point for a minute, basically you practice law in just Massachusetts, right. and so does attorney Tenny Lance. So if somebody needs help with a deed in Florida, you can't draw the deed in Florida. Right. But you can connect with another attorney who's a member of the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys, Mm -hmm. and they can do it. Right. And sometimes what happens is our clients might move to a different state, and then they want consultation with someone who's practicing in that state so we can find an American Academy member there for them to meet with. That's happened, too. Right, very, very uh, significant organization. Uh, the last thing I want to mention very quickly, we're going to be taking another break shortly, is you can also establish charitable goals. If you have a, a church or a charitable organization that you want to benefit, that's something you can take care of with uh, proper estate planning. So we've got a lot of material today. We just talked about some common reasons to do estate planning. We talked about this one handout of handling a loved one's estate, which is a good checklist in case somebody passes away. 
Um, we're going to take a break in a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this subject. We know you need to do some planning. We know you need to do a will or a trust or maybe both. Um, we know you need to do other things like what? Powers of attorney? Healthcare documents, uh, HIPAA authorizations. You know, so we... So if you have a power of attorney, that means if somebody can't handle their own affairs, they've named somebody who can help them with their own affairs. Exactly. And that saves going through court for right. conservatorship or guardianship. Right. Okay, I want to come back and talk about the differences between wills and trusts. And we're going to take a short break and come back in uh, just a moment. Please stay tuned. This is Money Wise Radio with Ray and Pete Lance. Powered by the USA Wealth Group. Collectively, more than 80 years of experience helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise. Uh, my name is Ray Lance, and with us this morning is attorney Mike Coleman. Uh, Mike and I are having a discussion about um, estate planning and why it's so important, and why do so few people do uh, not do estate planning, I should say. You know, one of my favorite people of all time who was probably the most persistent person on the planet was Thomas Edison. I've forgotten how many thousands of times it took him to create a light bulb that worked. Mm. But he made thousands and thousands of attempts and failed until he finally figured out how to get it done correctly. Mm. And he once said, if we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Mm. So think about that, ladies and gentlemen, when you're thinking about protecting your family. It's very straightforward. It's not a painful process. Make an appointment to come in and talk about what kind of planning have you done, if any, and what do you need to do to protect your assets? What do you need to do, for example, if you're concerned about going to a nursing home and your most important asset is your house? And you said, I don't want to lose my house to a nursing home if I have to go to a nursing home or if my spouse has to go to a nursing home. How can I protect my house? Well, it starts with making an appointment and coming in and talk about it. And as Mike said earlier, there is a five-year look-back period if you're planning to try to protect certain kinds of assets. But, you know, Mike, a lot of people say, well, I've got everything in joint tenancy, mm -hmm. so I'm all set. I don't need to do a will or trust. Right. Because if I die, my spouse is going to get everything automatically in joint tenancy. Right. Does that right. make sense? Um, I mean, it makes sense just from a point of view of, yes, the spouse is going to get everything, but it doesn't make sense from a planning perspective. Um, passing everything to a surviving spouse is okay when the first spouse passes away, but the issue is that when the second spouse passes away, what happens? Um, so there's no there's no probate passing assets between spouses because you know everything flows over to the survivor. The problem is when the survivor passes away, then assets are in their names alone, and that's when you get into a probate situation. So. Okay, so you've got an interesting handout that I'm looking at here uh, from the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys, and it's called The Trouble with Joint Tenancy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are, are just basically uneducated. So as you just said, joint tenancy may avoid uh, probate when the first person dies, but definitely when the second surviving joint tenant passes away, then the entire estate will go through probate. Right, right. And that, that's not a good solution. It also means that when the first person dies, uh, they have lost all control over how that remaining asset is going to be distributed because the surviving joint tenant ends up with it. They can do whatever they want to with it. Right. They can change the plans of the first person. It might be a situation like we talked about earlier if there's a, a second marriage and you know there are children from a first marriage, but the spouses have named themselves as joint on everything. Mm -hmm. That means that when the first spouse passes away, everything goes to the second spouse, and the kids from the first marriage get nothing. Have you seen that? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've and seen it in the past yeah, myself yeah. also. So undesirable consequences. But, you know, there's a tax uh, issue as well. There's a tax mm -hmm. problem in Massachusetts. 
Uh, we have an estate tax, and we have a an exemption of $1 million per person mm-hmm. from the estate tax. If you've got everything in joint tenancy, uh, and then the first person dies, everything automatically goes to the surviving joint tenant. Right. And now the couple has lost the right to get two exemptions, two $1 million exemptions. They're going to lose one. Right, exactly. So there's tax reasons, there's personal reasons. It's not necessarily the best way to hold title. Um, Sometimes people say, well, I've got everything in joint tenancy with my children. It's going to go automatically to my children. Mm -hmm. Maybe that child um, has having issues uh, problems, divorce problems, marriage problems, and mm-hmm. something right. of that nature. Maybe you don't want them to get that property at that point in time. Maybe you want to have yeah. it held in trust or something else. Sometimes people come in and say, well, I'm just going to put my son or daughter on my bank account with me, or I'm going to put their name on the house. You know, I'll just transfer the house to them. And, you know, there are a couple of reasons why you want to think twice about doing that. One might be, like you said, if there's divorce or some sort of financial issue in your children's life, all of a sudden your house or your bank accounts might be at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have multiple kids and you put just one child you know, on your bank accounts. And then you have an unfairness issue. Right, exactly. But I want to come back for a second to what you just said about if you've got a joint tenancy with a child, for example, because I, I see this all the time and people say, well, if something happens to me, it's automatically going to go to this one child, and they'll take care of the other children. Right. They don't necessarily. But the second issue is if that child that you've named on your account as a joint tenant gets divorced, that account belongs to the child as well as the parent. Mm-hmm. Or if they get into a bad car accident that they're responsible for and they have liabilities, that joint account can be at risk, and you can't automatically at the last minute if some event happens just get the account out of their name right right uh, i think that's called a fraudulent conveyance right and yeah. it can be tracked down mm-hmm. so don't think that putting a child's name on an account as a joint tenant is a good thing to do so the alternative would be you know putting the assets into a trust and then naming if you really wanted to have one child in charge you could name them as a successor trustee in a trust and then okay. the assets in the trust, they would have access to them, but you can name beneficiaries in the trust right. to receive the assets. So you don't necessarily have everything passing to one child and then having them receive everything. Everything will stay in trust and have one child in charge of passing it on to all the rest. So I'm, I'm going to mention one other thing from uh, a number of years ago when I had a... Um, a semi-public position. I was assistant register of probate for a while under an early register of probate. Uh, not probate, I mean, sorry, of deeds. Mm. And um, there was a, um, a habit this person had of helping others create joint tenancies on deeds and so forth. Mm. And he also helped people put assets into the name of the children. Hmm. And then There was one gentleman who came in literally in tears, and this had happened to him. He had transferred the title to his house out of his name and put it into his son's name, and then decided to get married again in a second marriage, and the son refused to put the house back in the name of the father. Yeah, yeah. And so be careful what you wish for. Sometimes people have heard about life estate deeds. That's something that people sort of know about, and... Those kinds of deeds pass assets on to kids automatically when someone passes away, but those can have their own sort of problems. Right now, they have to be written without the power to mortgage, sell, and convey. So that means if you were to put your house in a life estate deed with kids as remainder men, you really can't sell the house without their permission. You right. can't transfer the house. So I think that's called a vested remainder, isn't it? Yeah, if the person with a life tenancy doesn't have the power to sell, then there's a part ownership has already been transferred to the remainder men. So mm-hmm. they have a, a vested interest. So be careful what you wish for and be careful mm-hmm. how you do it and get proper uh, legal advice mm-hmm. from um, attorney Mike Coleman. Yep. Give him a call at 508-998-8800. So by the way, this publication is called The Trouble with Joint Tenancy. and. Um, the law firm can give you that if you give them a call. 
So let's talk about the difference between wills and trust. This is a lengthier conversation. We're going to start it now and then continue it. But first of all, I guess it's really important not to do your own will because mm -hmm. a will has to be done with certain formalities, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. well, a lot of people go online and try to do their own wills. They do have to be done with, when, especially with the signing, they have to be in Massachusetts, um, witnessed by two independent witnesses. So... I think the bigger problem is the concept of a will being enough, you know, of okay. an estate plan. Most times it isn't. Okay. People don't understand that. So let's talk about some of the primary differences between wills and trust. And what is okay. a trust, first of all? Let's define what a trust is. A trust is a document. It's sort of like a will. Um, it's created by, you know, creating trustees and successor trustees, beneficiaries, and then signing the document. The difference is, major difference is, once you sign a trust, you then transfer assets into the name of the trust. Okay. Um, whereas like a, a house, will, for example. Right, yeah. Whereas a will, everything just sort of stays the way it is. Um, and that's a difference when you're talking about probate later on. If assets are in a trust, the trust survives, you know, the people who have set up the trust. So it's a separate yeah. entity. Right. And anything that's in the name of the trust normally doesn't go through probate. Right. Okay. Right. But anything that's in your name and when you only have a will does go through probate. Right. Because the assets, when you do a will, you name an executor, you name beneficiaries, but the title to the assets don't change. There's no deed recorded at the registry of deeds transferring the house into the will. You know, there's no bank account change, putting bank accounts into the name of a will. That just doesn't happen. So okay. So, um, what about the fact that when somebody dies with a will, the will has to get filed in probate court, as you've said. Right. Is that now a public document? It is. Anyone can go into the court. Actually, now you can just go online and look at the will. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You can just go right on the probate court website. You can download all the documents that have been filed in the court, and that would contain address information, phone numbers, now the probate court asks for email addresses, which I won't get into. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyone can go online and get your phone number or get you know phone numbers of people who are addresses of beneficiaries. So all of your information, a lot of your information becomes a public record then. Mm -hmm. right. How about with the trust? Is that the same thing with the trust? No, the trust stays private. Okay. There's no court filing with a trust. Boy, in this day and age with all the people who were have issues with uh, fraud and and um, you know having their credit cards attacked and everything else. That alone is almost a reason enough to do a trust instead of just a will. What about heirs who want to attack a will? Can they attack a will, but can they also attack a trust? Part of the probate process is notifying all heirs of you know the fact that there's a probate going on, even with a will. If you execute a will that has one executor and one beneficiary you want to take a break yeah um hold that point we're going to come back yep. and and uh, talk about that because okay. that's really important about people being able to attack a will uh stay tuned we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen call 508-998-8858 that's 508-998 8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Money Wise is in many places. If you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to usawealthgroup.com and click on the radio page. That's usawealthgroup.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm sorry that I just cut off uh, Attorney Mike Coleman okay. in mid-sentence because we weren't watching the clock carefully enough here. And thank you for being with us. So we're talking about a will is a public document, mm -hmm. and all the heirs have to get notified that a will right. has been filed. Right. So even if you have a will where you name one person, you want your one child to be in charge of everything, and you want everything to pass to your one child... If there's a probate and you have seven kids, even if some of them are estranged, you haven't talked to them in many years, you still have to notify all those children that there's a probate going on. 
even if you want everything just passing to that one child. Even if somebody is named as, I don't want my son John to get anything. Exactly. He's still to, an heir and still has to be notified. Yeah, you have to give him notice. If, if you don't know where he is, you have to track him down and provide him with notice. And then he has a chance to make a claim in the probate court. He could contest the will or he could even request that he be appointed the executor. So that's a problem. Well, um, so wills can be attacked, and it's more difficult to attack a trust, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you have some special language you put in trust that says people can't contest it? Yeah, we do have no contest clauses in the wills and trusts. And that usually says that if someone does attack and they're successful, and they're not successful, they get, they get nothing. Okay. Um, so very quickly, let's say somebody dies, and they've got a real estate, and they don't have any disgruntled heirs are going to file complaints about who gets to handle the estate. Mm -hmm. So it's just a normal will filing. The will gets filed in court. Heirs have to get notified. Mm -hmm. If you can't find somebody or don't know where they are, then what do you do? You have to publish or something? You always have to publish. Okay. Um, regardless of whether or not you can find heirs. And you have to publish in a newspaper. Uh, that's pretty expensive too. That's five or six hundred dollars these days just to that's a, a notice legal ad. that a will has been, or somebody has filed a will right, for probate. Right. And then you have to try to notify the heirs. So if you have a last known address, you know, that might be good enough. But you have to, you have to reasonably search for the heirs and, and you know, make okay. a statement that you've tried to find the heirs. So meantime, the time clock is running. Mm -hmm. Now let's assume that, you know, somebody gets appointed executor, and what does it take? A couple of months or something? Yeah, at least. All right, and now they want to sell the house. Mm -hmm. um, what do they have to do if they want to sell the house? If there's no power of sale in the will, okay, um, a good will should have a clause in it that says, um, I, I allow my heirs to sell the house. If there's not, then you have to get a license to sell from the probate court, okay, which is another expense. It's another notifying of the heirs it's another step to go through before you can actually sell the property and does that also get published in the paper there's no legal notice for for that okay which is a good thing um there's already been a legal notice for the actual probate so the the license to sell is a part of the original probate got it it's another filing so when you do that though the time clock is still running along in the meantime what if family members need the money and they want to sell the house. Yeah, they have to wait. They have to wait. Yeah. And what if the market is really strong right now and interest rates are rising the way they are right now, so you want to get the house right. sold while right. people can still afford to buy it? You still got to wait. I mean, you can, in theory, market a house when it's going through probate, but you know, you really have no control over when the probate's going to end. Okay. If someone contests a probate, and it goes six months or years past when you thought it was going to be completed, then you're not going to be able to sell the house. So it's a, it's a danger. Well, it doesn't sound like a fun process in any event to have to go through probate, but um, having a will means you must go through probate, and having no will means you must go through probate. Right, right, right. So whether you have no will because you haven't done anything, or whether you have a will, in either case, you're going to go through probate. Exactly. But if you do a trust, then anything in the trust does not go through probate. Right, yeah. Does not become a public record and so forth. Most people don't understand, you know, with a will they think, oh, I've done my will, I have everything all set. And it's really not mm. the case. It's not like television. No. <laughs> okay, this is radio. So um, what happens if you have a property in more than one state? What happens if you have your house yeah. in Florida and your house in Massachusetts? We have a client who recently passed away. He had... he lived in Massachusetts but had property in Connecticut and the Connecticut laws state that in order for them to open a probate there the probate first has to be opened in Massachusetts okay so we had to open the probate here wait for that process to go through then we have to get copies of all the documents from the probate court here give them to Connecticut before they can start their probate so that's called an ancillary probate and that's an even longer process. And so, so, you know, extending this example just a bit, if you have property in two other states, you're mm -hmm. going to go through property or through probate in three separate states. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's a good reason to have um, a trust mm -hmm. instead of a will. Right. 
You know, the other thing proper estate plan does, I guess, is it helps you get organized. Um, Pablo Picasso, I think everybody has heard that name, a famous painter, said, our goals can only be reached through a vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon we much, must vigorously act. There is no other route to success. Planning is very important. It doesn't matter what you do in life. And a guy named uh, Jody Rell once said, at the end of the day, the goals are simple, safety and security. You want to make sure your family is taken care of. You want to do it at the least possible cost. You don't want to pay any more taxes than what you need to. You want to be able to take advantage of any exemptions that could be available to you. So that's important. Um, I guess one of the other things that proper estate planning does is it gives you something called the gift of organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It helps you know that your affairs are in order. So when you meet with somebody that has assets to protect and maybe you're going to recommend a trust, for example, do you also take a look and, or ask them questions about their insurance policies, mm -hmm. their retirement accounts? Yeah. We have clients fill out a client intake form as part of the process and a lot of times what happens is they'll go through that form and they'll find things that they forgot they had like old life insurance policies mm -hmm. or things like that and that'll help them to bring things up to date you know we'll say update your beneficiaries on things or so it, it does help do you find situations sometimes when uh, say a parent has died and you're meeting with children and they're still trying to figure out where all the documents are, where yeah. all the assets are. Yeah, unfortunately, if the parents hadn't done any kind of a plan, uh, they really hadn't talked to their kids about things where they keep their documents. Some people are very private, so they don't want to share that information with their kids, but then it leaves the kids in the situation of not knowing which bank accounts they had or if they had life insurance or retirement accounts. And so they're in the position of trying to figure all that out i tell them sometimes just check the mail <laughs> hopefully you'll get statements in the mail yeah that's a good and thought that would help you know but sometimes people will have electronic accounts you know that there would be no mail you know and if if the children didn't know about these bank accounts online what happens it goes to the state mm -hmm. and yeah. So get organized, ladies and gentlemen. It's very important to get organized. Mm -hmm. And we've got some additional tools that we're happy to talk to you about when you come in. Uh, we've got something called giving the gift of organization. And it's even more difficult today with people doing so much on computers and somebody right. dies and you don't have access to their computer codes to be able to look at their financial accounts. Or even know that they had a, an account. Yeah, that's a know? nightmare. So um, in this document called... Uh, give the gift of organization. Here's some things to put into a fireproof safe or a safety deposit box. Birth certificates, death certificates, marriage licenses, adoption papers, passports, social security cards, driver's license, wills, trusts, powers of attorney documents, and so forth, military records. Uh, mm. I know one of the things you have is you have an organizational tool when you do trust work that mm. allows people to spell out in some detail what their funeral and burial instructions are. Yep. What? We give all our clients a whole portfolio book, and that's designed to have them put information that would provide their executors or trustees with all the information they would need. So mm -hmm. it would be who to contact if something were to happen to them, um, information about life insurance policies, passwords, you know, account statements. Sometimes what people do is they'll give us information, you know, and they'll say, if something happens to me, you know, I want you to hold this. I've had people give me um, safe combinations to put in their files. So if okay. you know, something happens to them, we would have the combinations so they're safe. You know, so it could be something like that. And by the way, the office has an alarm system and a camera system and yeah, it's all very, security yeah, systems yeah, and so yeah, forth. Yeah. So um, anyway, we've got a lot of good organizational tools. Uh, when you meet with clients or we meet with clients at USA Wealth Group, we always have people fill out an intake form. Uh, ideally, before they come in, bring in account statements. So as much as possible, we can help gather and organize that information. Just as important. Mm -hmm. um, 
Anyway, the greatest gift that you can give to your family, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest legacy, if you will, that you can leave for your family is to be organized. Mm-hmm. And don't make them go through you know, the hell of probate. Right. And get organized in a way that things are done efficiently. Uh, it's okay to sit down and talk to your children. Sometimes, I guess, children will come in with the parents yeah. and talk about planning. Right. What happens if the parent suddenly has an illness or a stroke or something and can no longer deal with their stuff, but they've held it tight to all of it during their lifetime? They haven't done anything right, with it. Right, right. And um, be willing to share some of that information. So um, we thank you very much for listening, Mike. Thank you for your information. You've got a lot of good material, good handouts. Um, this is all that you do. You do work with helping people plan their estates properly, protect their assets, protect mm-hmm. their family. Um, we do the same thing at USA Wealth Group. We help people to save taxes and do things efficiently and properly. Give attorney Mike Coleman a call at 508-998-8800. Make an appointment. Don't put it off. If you're not going to do it now, ladies and gentlemen, when do you expect to do it? Mm-hmm. When do you think you'll find time to do it? So take the time to um, protect your family. Don't be one of the 67% of our population that has done nothing and is hopeful that they're going to live forever. Right. So <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll be with you again next week on the radio. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business USA Wealth Group Incorporated. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group Incorporated. This radio show is a paid placement.